0: Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, I'm pregnant with nachos. Disgusting. I've eaten about a kilo of them
1: and I'm ready to talk about Starfield. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, that's what a a gross introduction. I was going to do a a bit about when you say my name, and then I was going to very slowly, awkwardly turn around on the spot and say hello. But that's a visual gag, and this is an audio medium. (laughs) I feel like I've no soldier on one of your jokes yet
0: again, but it's only because I was clearing my throat due to nachos that I didn't laugh. so uh,
1: (laughs) That's okay. One of my favourite things about our recordings is that sometimes laughter, I don't know if it like blows the mic out or... Discord just doesn't handle it very well. But I won't hear your laughter and I'll be like, oh, a little bit hurt in the recording. <laughs> and then when I put the episode together, I realise you were laughing. But then there's sometimes where I'm like, I'm assuming that that just blew the mic out and I didn't hear the laugh because of that. <laughs> uh, and then I am, of course, referring to Elements of Games Court, And then I listen back to it and it's just fucking de- deathly silence. And it's like, <laughs> okay, right, no, that was...
0: That was just bad. <laughs> no, I mean you caught me on a bad week. I just wasn't. I wasn't in the most like you know like ch- chuckling kind of mood really. It was a midweek games court. We got trapped into that because you were away at the weekend or something. I can't remember how that happened. And so I, you know, optimal circumstances for games court are are a week a weekend morning really, or maybe a weekend yeah. evening, maybe not Sunday, but you know the rest of I the weekend. I don't fine. know if
1: there are optimal. I think the optimal conditions for making Games Court was when we made the first two episodes of Games Court, and <laughs> never since.
0: <laughs> yeah, someone um, in a meeting brought up Games Court with me, uh, and I was like, oh god, it's one of those things that's going to, like, follow well, us around now. Uh, uh, yeah, like in a work-related conversation, someone <laughs> someone I was talking to about work listens to the podcast, and then just said, uh, oh, you know, like the, I think they referred to me as the creator of Games Court, and...
1: Well, thought... co-creator. <laughs> well, it was my, it was my idea, but you know, yes. In well, yeah, but I'm, what people react to, I think, comes from both of us. Oh yeah, I mean, we've got
0: like very much a like um, a sort of Stanley, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man thing going on here, where it's like, yes, I suggested the initial germ of the idea, but like you're, the version of like your version of drawing spider-man and making that design look good is the matthew castle island and it's a a sorted uh accoutrement (laughs) you know what i mean
1: i'm happy for to be the mccartney in our lennon and mccartney i'm happy for your name to come first but i want both names there oh god that makes i think we're both mccartney in essence actually i I don't think it's since i watched that come on we're straight up double ringo you know it (laughs)
0: Occasionally, three Ringos when Jeremy joins us, um, or like, uh, or our other
1: guests. No, I mean you Jeremy's know Jeremy's got the energy of who's that guy in the documentary? He keeps telling the beat was off. <laughs>
0: do you mean the Austin Powers looking guy? Oh, you mean yeah. the posh guy? Do you mean the posh yeah. like filmmaker, <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael watts's face? Yeah, um, it's funny because I was watching when I watched that documentary. I don't know about you, but that documentary gave me such a low impression of John's um, sort of contributions. Do you know what I mean? Like he just had a sort of like. I'll turn up an hour late and stick my name on it, energy. And I'm like, I'm sure he he was brilliant. But that documentary makes him look a bit like, I don't know, he's just sort of like he's logged on a bit late. And now he's just going to stick his name on this thing. (laughs) And Paul did all the work. Did you get that vibe from Lenin in that documentary? Was that just me?
1: Uh, a little bit. I didn't watch huge amounts of it because I, fa- I found it quite boring. Um, <laughs> I'm not like a big Beatles guy. Why are we talking about the Beatles document? What is this? Two 2000- thousand? When when did that even come out? Twenty twenty?
0: Uh, yeah, it was big, like pandemic era content. That one. It was a, I feel yeah. like we've gone through a wormhole,
1: <laughs> Re- relitigating <laughs> yeah. the Beatles documentary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We talked about that Beatles documentary before because I I remember my brother saying to me, "You cannot put on another episode of this after it was like a whole hour of like." Um, people going oh i think this chord really works on this one that kind of thing and it's just like it's like literally one hour of people just talking like that Uh and it's yeah that classic peter jackson style needed an edit why are we talking about this starfield we're here to talk about (laughs) starfield the big rpg from bethesda one of the biggest games of the year i wouldn't say necessarily a divisive game but it's certainly a game that's generated spicy takes and some people being down on it some people being super positive on it and matthew doesn't actually know how i feel about it i don't i don't know how he feels about it so we're going to talk about all of that on this episode. This is a giant game, one of many for people to get through this year, so we're going to keep it spoiler-free just to try and preserve it for people who um, who want to go in blind and you know enjoy that experience without it having it ruined, so we've kept that in mind. So Matthew, to start with, we've got our classic Section 1 preamble here, you know, I love a bit of that. What yeah. is your history with Bethesda RPGs? Because I think that's relevant going into this game.
1: I bought Morrowind way back when because it kept appearing in lists of like the greatest PC games ever in PC Gamer. This is before, you know, Oblivion and Skyrim were a thing and never really understood it. I don't think my PC could play it properly, or if it could play it properly, I didn't really like the way it looked and ran and just behaved. And it was maybe like a little too. I mean, it's hilarious, so it's a little too hardcore for me, because I think Bethesda are actually pretty mainstream, but definitely back then, it felt a little bit hardcore. Uh, I didn't have masses to do with them. Not not a big uh, Elder Scrolls guy. Uh haven't probably played more than 10 hours of any of them individually, but did play Fallout 3, did really like it. Again, didn't have much relationship with the earlier Fallout games found its mix of open world exploration and discovery and light RPG elements super compelling and have sort of enjoyed Fallout since... But I wouldn't say I'm a huge Bethesda head.
0: Right, that's interesting. So, okay, that allows me to draw some conclusions about how you probably feel about this. Shall I do the same thing? Outline yeah, my history? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, what, what your relationship is.
0: Yeah, so I've definitely talked about this before, but me and a uh, childhood friend Donald rented uh, Morrowind from Blockbuster, which was a terrible idea for a rental, let's face it, in uh, 2003 kind of time. And we basically played it felt overwhelmed by it but realized we were looking at something quite impressive like the we you know it was very much a game that had been talked up as it's amazing they're bringing this to xbox it's a open world it's like you know it's quite there's a, there are simulation elements it's quite a dense game so it's a kind of experience you just couldn't get on ps2 and mm. that it was it was like a big that and kotor were big deals for us as xbox players they were like these these rpgs coming to console for the first time that just seemed like a big deal so checked mm. it out we bounced off of it got absolutely fucked up by all of the enemies in the game just like really really hard we did struggle with it <laughs> and i would say that i put Bethesda RPGs out of my mind again. I mean, I didn't really know who Bethesda were at the time, honestly. They weren't really a going concern for me. Like, I feel like the profile of Bioware was very much elevated around the time Neverwinter Nights came out. Like, People knew what Mm. Baldur's Gate was. And so when, when I was reading about them in PC Gamer, they seemed like a huge deal. Bethesda RPGs, like I know Morrowind was very much a cult success, but I don't think they really crossed over in the mainstream until you get to Oblivion. And at that point, they become the biggest the hottest thing in rpgs right that is that's very much what happens when oblivion comes along this massive rpg that looks incredible launches on xbox 360 and pc so again like a a big moment for the the uh, rpgs making the excursion to to console players mm. and i played it a little bit later a little bit after the hype but i was you know the hype was huge for this one i remember reading you know these features that would talk up this very Dense simulation and the idea of like you know you piss off one NPC they come and find you ages later and just how amazingly detailed this world was I could very much see that they had you know solved some of the accessibility problems of the of Morrowind making it a lot easier to sort of like get your head around and so mm. Oblivion Oblivion solved that played it I bounced off it a little bit I, I was very impressed by it like the you know the the spectacle of it coming out of the dungeon for the first time and seeing the world and getting into it but admittedly the fiction didn't massively grab my imagination i'm a little bit sort of up and down on high fantasy settings not all of them capture my imagination right so was impressed by it very much disappointed my friend andrew who was the biggest oblivion head i just couldn't get into it in the same way he disappointed me with gta 4 he hated that and i couldn't get into oblivion so we let each other down and it was you know our friendship oh, overcame it but it was, it was a challenge but fallout 3 was the game that really brought me in so you know 2008 launches on all all platforms ps3 360 pc amazing amazing undertaking i think just translated this post-apocalypse kind of nuclear irradiated landscape um setting from these older uh, pc rpgs into modern third person game with action elements um a bit of uh, vats as well to give you some sort of like you know uh, turn-based style sort of precision so a really nice mix of real-time and turn-based kind of like combat systems in there like quite an, quite an amazing thing great quests great side quests meaningful t- choices i think we can all agree that the um that uh, blowing up the bomb um detonated like destroying that town um and watching it from tenpenny tower is quite uh quite amazing um, i have forgotten the name of the town though uh, which is megaton megaton uh, yeah, yeah of course so obvious um <laughs> Boomtown. when i see people worshipping brands on twitter now actually um and i see this a lot in the game space i think of the the citizens of megaton quite a lot the people who worship that bomb like that's that's basically what they remind me of instantly <laughs> not a very nuanced take but i just wanted to chuck that in there matthew um so yeah so i was i was thought that was incredible and you know from there there is obviously new vegas which is you know a, a bit closer to the i guess a more freeform um rpg style in terms of how that game was game was made but you know two years later a very a very good new version of the same type of thing comes along from obsidian you get to skyrim 2011 the biggest stealing games at the time for sure um i think like really amped up the the visual side of the game from oblivion like it feels it feels almost a generation long skyrim from oblivion just because they do some amazing things with the art direction, this kind of like snowy world and how the dragons look and how the mammoths look. It feels even more alive than before. I like it, but I don't love it, honestly. That's how I felt mm. about Skyrim. I, I, again, I played Skyrim for 40 hours, but I couldn't really tell you anything I did in that time, apart from the dragons I killed and the, the mammoths I killed and the little house I um, I built on the side of a,
1: of a hill. I mostly watched Andy Kelly rotating props on the loading screen when he was reviewing it in the Games <laughs> Hub. This, this is <laughs> skyrim is one of like the classic games hub games uh, along with uh, batman arkham city that period felt like it was like the last
0: huge moment
1: for the that generation of consoles yeah. too you know
0: just a lot going on in late 2011 so a big deal and i i, I... I, I liked it, but Fallout was the one I really loved. And then, so, you skip ahead. I'm, I realise, Matthew, I'm delivering a much longer
1: version of this than you No, did. I mean, this is, this is good. I, I, I suddenly feel very sheepish about my, <laughs> don't really like Elder Scrolls, played a bit of Fallout, and that's that's about it, really. And then you come out with this, like, fucking TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, you get to 2015,
0: and Fallout 4 comes along. I would say it uh, very, ever so slightly, misses my expectations of it creatively it's got this like much the funny thing i would say actually about bethesda games I think this applies to starfield as well is they always look what you remember the previous generations games looking like right. so do you know what i mean like i i, I played yeah. fallout 4 and i thought isn't this what fallout 3 looked like and i went back and looked at fallout 3 and i was like oh no no fallout 4 does look better than this but mm. because they have this uh, you know quite i guess like amazing technology in terms of how much stuff they can house and they can sort of like keep track of at once. The games never feel like they're cutting edge visually, right? I mean, Oblivion arguably was, but since then, I don't think they really have. They've never been like the best looking games necessarily. And with 4, I had that thing again where I'm like, okay, I got to just check. Nope, this does look better than 3. But in terms of like the the main quest, I think in 4 was a little bit not under baked but just uh, it was a bit in the shadow of three right down to the fact that mm. the final set piece is kind of lifted from three feels like kind of a rerun some really good companions though and some um some great side quests in there the world though i think there was just something about it that felt like a rerun from fallout 3 that just meant it didn't quite blow me away or at least like the new feature they added the key new feature you know settlement building not my kind of thing dog even though i wish everyone who mm. plays it and enjoys it the best of course from there you have fallout 76 which is obviously like a big disappointment for bethesda i only ever played it at launch but i did think that despite the fact it had no human npcs and lacked a bit of purpose i didn't think it was quite as bad as people said it was and but- it did it did have i think like an, a like a like a five star bethesda open world the setting is actually amazing it's just that it didn't have that much compelling stuff in it um did you have a take on that Matthew?
1: No I agree I I I, you know I enjoyed the world I enjoyed the kind of color palette of that sort of autumnal look it was a little bit more lived in I mean the the mad thing was with everyone dunking on it is I didn't think it was actually like miles away from like what 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 a good Fallout game is and a lot of its problems I would say are are similar in both in you know in, in in both that and like Fallout Four, or even like Elder Scrolls as well, this sort of scoffing—I—I I never quite understood because you were like, well, you know, it's not like the thing you love is that much more sophisticated than <laughs> this, and 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 the core magic of like what's what's that mystery blip on the radar. Oh, it's a weird haunted house. Oh, it's a Coca Cola factory. It's a weird old bowling alley or whatever. That is like the best bit, I would say, of Fallout, and that is in Fallout seventy six in Spades. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think
0: they had the No Man's Sky thing, where I think if they if they had just said it was an early access game, then they would have been fine, and they could have said when they yeah. added the um, the human uh, NPC stuff that they could have, they could have done the full release then and i think that would have completely improved sentiment on it but because it arrived in like box form it's like the game's complete and ready to go and of course it was a live service game so it actually had like a long a long tail left and people are still playing it now and it actually runs quite nicely on xbox um, series x i don't know i think it's unfairly maligned you know not like perfect by any means but yeah. it, was, it was better than people said it was i think
1: I, so. I built a quite a nice house on the there's a golf course what was it called was it called Green Acres? Or Sp- it had like a leafy name, like Springleaf or Green Acres or something like that. And it was, it was weird because in this like post-apocalyptic world, it was actually quite untouched. It was like a pristine golf course, maybe like the robots had been tending to it or something. Hmm. And so by building my house there, it was actually, you know, when I looked out my front window, it kind of looked like we weren't in the post-apocalypse. It kind of looked like the, the dreamy 50s of kind of pre-nukes. Uh, and I quite liked that about it, that it wasn't all just scorched earth. There were like pockets of, you know, quite regular, you know, there was still a load of fucking zombie golfers everywhere or whatever. <laughs> but that was fine, because I could just sit on my little house balcony and shoot them with a sniper rifle, which was, you know, quite a nice pastime.
0: Oh, that is, that is pretty cool. That's a nice, quaint experience. Is that one of your last Xbox um, on games, Matthew? Were you on RPS at that point?
1: Uh, no, it's was on RPS. We did quite good business with our Fallout 76 videos because all you have to do to do a successful Fallout 76 video is get that bit of character art of Vault Boy doing a downwards thumb and stick that on the thumbnail and everyone thinks you're being like yeah like you're sticking it to the man and it's the closest I've come to kind of flirting with being a hate preacher (laughs) where I was like maybe it's not as bad as everyone says but it is still quite bad (laughs) the closest I
0: flirted with becoming a hate preacher is when I called hotel dust languid on this podcast two weeks ago that
1: that wasn't flirting that was full (laughs) dive bombing into the hate pool (laughs) (laughs) splashing hate all over us (laughs) so that
0: was the weird thing about it it was obviously like quite a imbalanced game in terms of the amount of stuff in it but i thought the overworld and the lovely little map they give you in the game to navigate that overworld great stuff i was i was quite taken with all of that i thought you know what you've got the bones of a good a good fallout game in here um if you build the right stuff on top of it so yes yeah. that's how i thought i mean whether it hit those it, it kind of reached its full potential or not i couldn't say but it certainly kept going which would suggest People kept setting off
1: nukes that was annoying as well because <laughs> they had a mechanic where if you collected like like the the nuclear codes you could just fire a nuke at a bit of the map and and then it would just like wreck it, and you'd pray that it wasn't my precious golf course. <laughs> <laughs> that would be tough to log back on and see your golf course just in smithereens.
0: That's uh, <laughs> not not good. Uh, okay, yeah. So that's basically my history of uh, with uh, Bethesda RPGs, mm. Matthew. So I would say that, like, I guess I'm sort of like you know I'm, I'm sort of neutral on them, really. Like they can they can blow right. me away, but I'm not always massively taken with them. So yeah. that's what I that's the baggage I bring to Starfield, I guess. So okay, uh, with that in mind, Matthew. Was it a big deal to you when Starfield was announced at E3 2018? Were you waiting Bethesda to do a next big thing?
1: Not really. As a non-Elder Scrolls head, again, I think like you, I just didn't really like its its sort of fantasy world as much. I was glad that they weren't doing more of that. I was like, oh, cool. You know, like, I, I might actually be interested in it. Space you know that's that's kind of cool that's i could see see why they would want to do that genre wise but it's not like i don't hold them in the esteem of like i would wait for a new mario or zelda or, or or you know the things that i like from listening to this podcast they're not like a oh shit Bethesda are talking i better listen you know that isn't my relationship with them at all like it's been too hit and miss for that yeah i think that's i think that's fair i was more like it's cool
0: they're making a new universe that's absolutely cool especially because it this the statement of intent seemed to be it's not just one world it's a whole you know a whole system whole systems and part of a galaxy mm. to explore so i was impressed by that promise of that i guess but i didn't want to get too carried away maybe it's because it was off the back of 76 where you know it, it was it wasn't it wasn't like um the response was just so withering that maybe um optimism didn't feel like the, the default point of
1: view at that moment you know yeah
0: also it was just a name and a logo
1: right it wasn't even a thing at that point yeah
0: i think there was also i mean they did show like some space and starfield in itself tells you what the game's about right like is it in some ways the title is the tease because You're right yeah but it's it...
1: like people losing their minds over that like elder scrolls map or screenshot that was released when they announced that and like yeah. the amount of times i've seen that image kind of Bought out. It's just, it's just not a thing yet. You know, it's clearly not a thing. So, yeah, getting even if I was into it, I'd, I'd struggle to get excited about it. One thing I do quite like about Bethesda is that they're, they're not the biggest team, right? You know, they're. That They're meant to be, like, relatively small by these kind of AAA standards. That cannot be true with this game, though. It's just too big. I mean, yeah, maybe they've scaled up, but it was always the... Again, this could just be a PR line, but they've always sort of sold themselves as a scrappy little outfit, and it's everyone who's... Everyone's been here for, like, 25 years, and... You know, it's the same people who are making the earlier games and making these games. And I follow a couple of people who work there who seem very nice and very switched on and have good game thoughts. And I always always actually feel a little pang of guilt, I guess, on Twitter when I am not as into their things. Because I'm like, well, this person seems cool. I wish I liked their thing a bit more. I will also say as well that I okay so there's a few things there so I, I
0: agree with you about <clears throat> about the people so I think that um Emil Pagliarulo who's like the one of the lead designers or lead writer or something like that he's been there yeah. forever because I remember doing like interviews with him for Fallout 3 so you know it's impressive that people you know it seems like they've retained a lot of key talent and the mm. game and it means the games always have their DNA in them quite um it's quite forthright to you as a player that you are playing a Bethesda RPG so the essence of what those games are has not been lost and also the other thing is that they i actually do really like the way they sell their games and in the sense of like they basically just made their own e3 conference for this one game and it was so Mm. comprehensive and it got people so excited it told you it told you loads but it didn't tell you everything i actually quite like that approach to sort of like well you know Obviously, people didn't get to play it beforehand, so you might have different opinions on that. Like there was no, there were no impressions, as far as I know, of what the game actually was um, before launch. It was down to reviews, but it did, it does feel like a real moment. They make a real moment out of it, and it does. I think even if it takes a few years, Starfield in this case did stoke my excitement because they that that reveal at, in June was was pretty impressive. I thought so. Mm. You know, they are good. They're good hype masters as well. Oh I suppose. yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's useful context i think but um matthew i suppose before we get into the game itself what do you think this game means to microsoft in the lifespan of the xbox series x and S? because obviously we're a few years down the line now from microsoft buying bethesda the state of the industry has changed quite a lot the state of acquisitions has changed quite a lot they've slowed down significantly there's a lot going on it would seem behind the scenes um with uh (laughs) with some games companies if you i'll say (laughs) if you read some of the uh some of the headlines doing the rounds so i'd
1: be mortified if if my emails leaked like that
0: yeah because you'd be like oh please
1: don't say i was like a dick in any of those emails or like could be perceived as a dick i
0: feel bad though because i i don't actually think any of them come off that badly in those emails but that one nintendo email just makes them look like (laughs) just complete like you know that there's like there's like a gap there of sort of like misunderstanding where they're going to get roasted
1: for it for years And i'm like they actually seem like pretty level heads when you read the rest of their emails like i mean it's true though like it would be like an amazing trophy to bag, but anyway, you know, it's not like, it's not like a wild sentiment. I mean, it's unlikely, but it's, yeah. you've got to have a dream, right? For those
0: who are curious, this is a, a leaked email uh, from a few years ago of like Xbox wanting to buy Nintendo. Was this 2020, the email, Matthew? I think it was something like that. Yeah. So yeah, a long time ago now, but it was quite, yeah, quite some quite wild Microsoft documents are out, are out there now and um, being dissected by the various gaming leaks and rumors channels. Really, I don't know how it happened. It's completely out of control, just <laughs> ridiculous um but I, I, I do actually feel bad for them because there's just too much out there and i agree with you if you leaked my emails you'd realize what a fucking idiot i am you know what i mean so yeah oh, i'm just horrible so horrible with people. <laughs> <laughs> amazing so i suppose yeah back to the question then yes lifespan of the xbox what does it mean that this game is here now and and what this game is relative to that to the xbox
1: platform I actually didn't make notes for this one, Sam, I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's a bit um, Piers Harding, Tubby Rolls element. It's kind of an interesting Game Pass game in that it will presumably encourage ongoing subscriptions just through sheer scale rather than having the hallmarks of a service game, you know, which people logically say normally a lot of the things you try and get into these subscriptions. You know, our service games or things that kind of keep people hooked. Where this, that, you know, what delivers that here and in previous Bethesda games is just the size of them and you know the fandom that 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 inevitably builds around those worlds. You know, hmm. it's the it's the it's whatever it is that keeps people playing Skyrim for a thousand hours, even though nothing new's been added to Skyrim. I don't even know what you'd call it. What what what? Stickiness, I guess they are famously sticky games, so having that as like uh, a, you know a big a big hit uh, in in your service makes sense they haven 't really got anything else like this yet you know a big open world adventure they are working on them, we are led to believe with like fable and whatnot. Um, avowed, you know, Matthew, th- your big avowed head? Avowed's going to be something slightly different, though, right? Like, it seems like Outer Worlds with fantasy. That's kind of the right, vibe I got Right, more that it. kind of scale, yeah. Like, yeah. a kind of an obsidian-scaled RPG, which I, I know what that means in my head. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to explain it on this podcast. <laughs> why should you and they definitely need it because otherwise you know you've got forza but forza like really especially dry forza which it is this year isn't for everyone so it, it's about as strong as offering is as the, as, the, as they've had we always knew this was going to be like a bit of a crown jewel in it so what does it mean for the future of xbox you know the countdown for the next bethesda game has already begun it seems because oh, that's yeah. what we do we wait eight years SEO the shit out of everything for one week and then start SEOing the shit out of the next thing that that doesn't exist yet. So oh,
0: it's so true. Um so <laughs> that's yeah, life. <laughs> it is a little bit. It's an interesting one as well because this this game has A larger footprint beyond Xbox. Obviously the Bethesda RPGs have a huge PC lineage. So you have like, you know, probably a couple million people playing on Steam as well, and then obviously PC Game Pass as well. So yeah, I do agree with you. It does um it does seem like a match made in heaven. It's, you know, let's face it, this is the game that Microsoft bought Bethesda for, right? I mean, I'm sure the rest of the stuff, the rest of the studios in there and the games they're working on, you know, there's a really high quality bar there, I think. But this is the game they wanted, right? This is this was, like you say, the crown jewel. So yeah I think it's um, a huge deal to Xbox and like you say, I think it will keep people like dipping into Game Pass for years and years just knowing it's there is like such a staple it's like you know it's like having I don't know <laughs> I wish I had a better example than this but you know when they put like, w- w- like having Simpsons on Disney Plus or Friends on Netflix you <laughs> right. know what I mean it just those it's the thing you become synonymous with it's the thing you get people coming back to you for so I I sort of get it I think it makes sense. All right, that's enough context, I reckon. It's time to talk a bit more about the game itself. The friends of
1: open world RPGs. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like damning praise, doesn't it? Is it Um, early Simpsons or is it late Simpsons? We'll find out in this chat. (laughs) Um, So what did you make of
0: the critical reception coming into it, Matthew? It got mostly very positive reviews, a couple of outliers in there, a few sevens as well. What did you make of all that?
1: it just felt like loads of people were kind of like navigating the kind of expectations around this game rather than maybe just drilling into like pure and simple what is good what is bad about this game like there was there was a lot of weirdness in in the reviews i thought and the whole thing was i thought a little polluted by all that mess over like who did and didn't and get code and i, I all that stuff kind of it makes you a little bit like uh, is this like a sanctioned review is that weird i don't know Whatever. I think there's been some better things written since. You know, I've really enjoyed the kind of ongoing coverage from like Piece of Gamer and Rock Paper Shotgun. I thought Chris's review on Eurogamer was excellent. Just really, really thorough and I know how it is with these games, you know, they're so massive. Eight years in the making, it's the big thing from the big studio and it's its sometimes hard to kind of like get a grip on those things that I think they can escape you. I didn't find it like a very rewarding time to be like reading about this game for various reasons.
0: I had an interesting experience. I thought that like um, Chris Livingston's review on PC Game was excellent. I thought it was a really great piece of writing that was also instructional because it um, encourage you to select a certain perk in the game, um, which I did do and I have not regretted doing. That was a oh, great okay, call. Okay, cool. Um, Chris's review is really good. Also, Chris is like a genuine authority on Bethesda RPGs. He just covered the mod scene endlessly and wrote about it endlessly. So when I saw you know people giving shit to PC Gamer for it I'm like you are dealing with someone who's a genuine authority on this and you're lucky that someone you that someone is around who can give this level of authority to review mm. so fuck you basically that's kind of how I felt reading a lot of those comments but some of the comments out there generally
1: were just terrible from fanboys obviously so maybe I'll, I'll modify I'll modify my take a little bit <laughs> and <laughs> say that I think one of the challenges with the game is that I think your relationship with it will change drastically and over the course of it i've only played a a small chunk but even in that like my opinion has gone all over the place and i think where you finally land on this game will depend on so many factors it's an unusually unruly game in that regard in terms of i think two two people can have two very different experiences Mm. like radically different experiences and and review it you know completely different ends of the spectrum as a result and like just having to like put put down the pad and pick up the pen and like when you make that call with a game of this size that would be a fucking nightmare i think i don't know really what the fuck i would write in a review about it if you <laughs> put a gun to my head right right now which is why this episode's going to be terrible
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> i also really like simon parkins review on the guardian i thought it actually like um succinctly boiled down like what's great about this game what's uh, what's maybe more like um more flawed or more more contentious and maybe not contentious but you know the sort of like rickety was the word simon used in his headline i think that's actually quite a fair <laughs> a fair descriptor yeah. of like some of what you the quirks that you see in a bethesda rpg so yeah and I, but every review i've read has been pretty fair like from the positive really positive ones to the the to the more middling ones it, it seems and i say by middling i mean seven which is still above average um You're so right. that's important to say that but a couple of things i thought is that we are so used to what a Bethesda RPG is now—that all these games get, these games that any game they make now is reviewed through that prism. What's unusual about Bethesda games? It's like Starfield, you know, you can the DNA going back is just so obvious like it's the, from the way npcs move to the way that dialogue works the way that quests are designed like it's all the same stuff that's been there before with more bits laid on top of it but that's where it differs to something like the difference between the witcher 3 and cyberpunk you know that's the same studio that made that but those games you wouldn't necessarily think that the same studio made both of them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's mm. they're quite imperceptible. Bethesda RPGs are quite specific in the sense that they they you can always tell you're playing a Bethesda RPG. Like you just give you two minutes and you'll be able to figure out who made that game, if you have any kind of knowledge of games. It's just just run around and talk to an NPC. You'll realize mm. you're playing a Bethesda RPG. So everyone brings that baggage to it, I think, which is i either means that they're huge fans and they're reviewing it with that in mind like maybe there's a particular game that they like like we do you know, fallout or whether it's like you're a big skyrim head which seems to be the case for a lot of people and you can't help but review the game with that in mind in some ways you can't make a clear break when you're reviewing a Bethesda RPG because you the DNA of it is just so obvious. It's just so and it's so entrenched in the recent history of games that it just overshadows it to some extent. Do you know what I mean? You are always mm. reviewing it with that in mind. So that was my larger thought, Matthew. But um mm. oh fuck me, we've been talking for ages. Let's find out how what we think of the game now. So, we haven't talked to to each other about this game while we've been playing it, and we decided we would guess what the other person thought um, <laughs> thought of the game. Um, so, I guess Matthew, let's do that. Like, what do you think I thought of it? Then I'll guess what you thought of it.
1: <laughs> I think you quite like. I think you're going to have quite liked Starfield or what you've played of it. I think it's going to have made you quite nostalgic for what you liked about the Fallout games, particularly for that very reason you just laid out there that 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 dna is so obvious but rather than kind of mark it down for that i think you'll say actually it it holds up it's a it's a good formula i can see why you'd stick to it interesting so
0: for you i would guess you are a bit down on this in the way that you're down on most of these games they haven't really kind of massively won you over with some highlights along the way that made you question it but ultimately where you're at now which is still early in the game you're sort of like i'm not not totally feeling this that's that's my guess okay were were you actually i should i should say whether you were correct first (laughs)
1: yes um
0: you are almost there yeah like i would say nostalgia's not really a factor though um okay in some ways i think that I, I wish it could shed more of that DNA and feel a bit fresher, you know, in like the in the way it feels. I think that mm. just when seeing like an NPC turn towards you in that particular way, and the camera zoom in in that particular way, I was like, <laughs> it just in some ways, I, I would sort of like, I wish, I wish we could aesthetically redo how these games are presented. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. uh, just because it's just because it's so. I'm, I'm just like they have, it, yeah,
1: they have moved that on a tiny bit. In, oh, yeah. in like ways which are cute like if a character's turning away they'll start off turning away and then they'll kind of like as they're talking they'll kind of turn around as if to be like oh and uh let me just turn to face you and then i'll look you in the eye or if there are multiple people in the conversation there's there's a hint that they sort of acknowledge each other that you aren't just standing in the middle of like four people like a weird totem pole <laughs> and everyone's just bellowing their opinions straight at you conversations can kind of happen in this game in a way that they haven't in the previous games. That's true. Also, the uh,
0: the game's presentation, like the, the the lip syncing and animation's really, really good. So, you know, you'll just meet even minor characters where the, there's a massive improvement there. But what about my take on your opinions, Matthew? Am I right there?
1: Yeah, I, I maybe like it a little bit more,
0: actually. Interesting. So, yeah, I suppose, like, let's get into it then. So I've played 24 hours of it so far. How about you? Right.
1: Yeah, I've, I've played 25 hours. Nice. But... Uh, five of those hours was my first character who I just wasn't feeling it. Like I went in and was just doing the main quest line. I thought, uh, after about five hours, I was like, oh, this is fucking awful. I hate this game so much. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to start again. I'm just going to go. Now I sort of know what I'm dealing with or what to expect. I'm kind of going, going to go in and just kind of take it at my own pace from the off and see if I dig it a bit more. So I've done 20 hours of that as well.
0: Okay, interesting. That is an interesting choice because I'm not sure I could stand the repetition of doing the the quest again. Um but I guess that, you know, that was a choice you felt like you needed to make, so fair enough. Yeah, but,
1: uh, I just heard I'd heard enough people say, "Oh, you should do this before you do this quest line." I saw some people say certain quests, certain side quests are almost a better introduction to the world or a better tutorial than what the main quest line is, and I actually I agreed with them and it had a, I did have a better time as a result. Interesting. So yeah,
0: okay. So my my big take on this is there is a formula at work here, but this is a really fucking good version of that formula. And it's like having an, an excellent cheeseburger or something. I know this formula inside and out, but I've played quest after quest that I was really, really impressed by. And... The scale of it, while I think there's a there's a, a lot of debate, has focused on the the way that the world um quote unquote is laid out in this game. Ie, you have to move between planets on a spaceship, um, which involves a lot of fast travel, some space travel. The stuff they've laid on top of it, for the most part, really impresses me, and I just think that actually this formula is still great at presenting great, uh, you know, terrific. RPG style quest where you can make interesting choices, there are interesting outcomes and you'll have like some fun along the way because the objectives will have some nice variety to them. There'll be a set PC feel to some of the missions. I think this actually like this really nails what I love about Bethesda RPG in so many ways and I think I just sort of there's a point where I was just like using a samurai saw to cut a mecha apart, and i was like i'm having a fucking great time and that's what i just <laughs> that, that just really that really hit me like a couple of nights ago when i was playing it i was like this is actually like a really great version of this this type of game it's like to to, to me like the the polish with which they've like executed all of these quests and and built this game that's that's the difference to me is it just feels like them pushing it further in terms of execution as well as scale like i just don't remember enjoying fallout 4 this much like none of the quests right. really stuck with me in that way and here i just some of the optional objectives that give you a great some of the outcomes that give you a great the dialogue choices it's like not all gold there's like a lot of conversations i'm sort of like maybe my um attention span has drifted a bit in recent years i'm just sort of like hammering through a little bit just to kind right, of get right. to the next bit but generally I think this is I think this is great. I think it's just a, it's it's a really amazing undertaking. It's maybe not the most interesting sci-fi universe ever created, but I think that's a, a criticism you could probably apply to um to the Elder Scrolls as a fantasy universe as well. So, yeah, yeah. what's what's your big take, Matthew?
1: I kind of like it when it's just tapping into the stuff Bethesda's always done quite well of you find an interesting place you go into an interesting place there's maybe a weird person in there who gives you an interesting quest like you say there's a there's a few variations in how you do it there's just enough role playing in terms of like character build you can crouch and deal with the game's wonky stealth systems like you can in fallout or you can hack a load of computers and turn robots against people or whatever and like all, all that stuff is stuff that i, I liked in fallout and I, I like it here and i think it does benefit a little bit from from that polish like you say like feels a little bit nicer so much of my problem i think with bethesda's games particularly the, the fantasy ones on paper what you're doing is fine but the actual feel of it is very unsatisfying like i've never liked their melee combat which is like a huge mark against elder scrolls and this you know the gun the guns the gunplay is 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 definitely better and and this is probably the best it's been so that all works and once you've found like a little build that kind of works for you and lets you play in your desired style which can take a little while like it's there's some stuff with the skill tree in this where i feel like some basic toys are actually locked off quite early on until you've invested a few points here and there. And for me, that was like getting into the stealth of it and the lockpicking and finding some suppressed guns and things. And once I could do that, I, I was much happier. What I don't quite get is, I think there are like loads of pockets where in the moment I'm just like, oh yeah, this is like Fallout 3, I'm having fun. But I find the game they've built around it and the way that they've tried to frame it with space travel and with these. Entire planets you can explore. I I I find that stuff almost worthless. Particularly the planet exploration. You know, I I did I've done a lot of like, well, what happens if I just drop down here and like, let's see what crazy thing emerges. And the the planet game is is very very poor. It's it's like a a, an even drier No Man's Sky. I think scan a load of boring plants or scan a load of like boring looking aliens or here's here's one of twenty cave templates that we'll load in or here's one of 20 bases and I do think they've lost the connective tissue that makes those worlds a thrill to discover like there's nothing in here to replicate that thing I mentioned in Fallout 76 of like there is a an outline of something on your your compass and as you walk towards it it fills in and you're like what is that you get sent to lots of interesting places and i think lots of characters kind of go oh you've got to go to this planet something's happened and that's this game's version of that but Mm. i i i do miss i don't know i guess i miss the on foot exploration but that isn't what space exploration is so maybe it was unfair to kind of expect that of it it's a really it's really interesting because this is the most
0: divisive part of the game for sure it's like you don't have the, like you say, that magic thing of what's that on the horizon line? Oh, it's a Nuka-Cola factory or whatever it is, you know, yeah. that you get from a Fallout or Elder Scrolls game. So, um, yeah, and it's true that you don't necessarily get that on any of the individual worlds. But what I will say is, because I don't think... I don't think that's an entirely a net loss for the reason that it means it can show you it can give you a lot more spectacle than you typically get from a Bethesda RPG that's just set in one location like the planets you go to are more varied than any mm. individual location the individual locations are relative to each other and in an elder scrolls or fallout do you know what i mean so there's mm. like there are a bunch of cities in this game and all the cities are very distinctive from each other and you couldn't really picture the city of neon i assume you've gone there matthew you couldn't yeah i couldn't really picture that being in the same place as like a killer city or new atlantis it kind of makes sense that those are different planets and so that's why i think the upside is that you get taken to a wider variety of places than you otherwise would do if you were just going along one big map but whether that's a net gain or or not
1: like it's it's kind of it's up for debate it is interesting because there's all kinds of sliding scales in this game of like what is gained and lost by having this uh, not just scale but like also the setting of it you know like the 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 thing i found most striking about it is your behavior in this world and what makes sense in this world and what makes sense in Fallout, which is a scavenger society, is like very different. The clutter and filling your bag with loads of like weird shit in Fallout because you're going to cobble something together, that makes a lot more sense than a seemingly sophisticated astronaut guy has a house and is part of like a modern, normal society, kind of collecting all this shit. And uh, that was almost one of my problems with that first character I made is that I went in playing it like Fallout, collecting loads of stuff and being very aware of, like, oh, I've got to have all this shit. And actually, like, that isn't what this game is about at all. Like, it, that doesn't really make sense in this world. Like, they've, they've really stripped out even more of the survival stuff. Like, I don't think the guns have, like, wear and tear on them, for example. Like, ammo doesn't have a weight. Like, it, it, it's really trying to simplify and streamline a lot of the experiences so you can just sort of enjoy enjoy the journey a lot more and that's maybe the the difference to their other games where i think the journey is meant to be like a bit harder you're meant to feel like you're sort of striving and here you kind of get to, like, power or satisfaction a bit faster. And I do like that about it, actually. Like, that does give it its own character. Well, you do and you don't. Because, like you say,
0: the um, the skill trees are oddly stingy. Like, you get one skill point.
1: Yeah, that uh, yeah that aside, I guess. But, yeah.
0: but at the same time, you're handed a spaceship to go and explore this this galaxy, like, right at the start of the game. So that happens in hour one. So, yeah, it, you know, in some ways it really does. And then in some ways it, it makes you wait. So it's... Yeah, yeah it, it is interesting sliding, yeah, sliding scales is an interesting way of putting it. And it's and funny as well that it has all these like um these stations for, you know, research and uh, and like tweaking your weapons and stuff. And I'm a bit like, uh, whenever I go well, into those, you know, but it's not f- my sort of thing like really. I feel like you can ignore it though, right? Yeah, I think that you can for the most part, but it makes sense to do the research bits for like the the food and tools or whatever because that yeah. can, that can clear out your v- overstuffed inventory, but yeah.
1: It it, it definitely feels like there's almost two games in one there's the very focused, like authored content which is the stuff that I do enjoy and am reacting well to Mm. you know which is all the missions and the side missions and then the whole kind of planetary ecosystem like go anywhere explore anywhere that feels like it's part of just a, uh, a kind of resource collecting economy which in itself is tied to building outposts customizing ships, basically user-generated stuff, which I don't give a fuck about in Bethesda games, never have, never will. Right. I like that you kind of aren't forced into that. I think there would be a way to more elegantly tempt me into it. Mm. you like, I literally had a robot went, do you want to go and build an outpost? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, that <laughs> sounds like hell on earth. Like, I know that that's going to mean working with your horrible building interfaces from Fallout 4. I'm not interested. And so I haven't done any of that. But because of that, like... Collecting fucking copper extract from a planet's <laughs> surface, I'm like, well, why would I do this like this this feels like this is for building something that I'm not going to ever engage with, but that's fine like you you don't have to connect with that like in Fallout four, that more procedural side of the game, I guess felt a lot more invasive, I mainly because they had it they literally gave it like human form in is it Preston garvey yeah who was like just constantly there to go let's go and build some boring stuff and protect a little boring people the whole time and you're like oh man like you're guilting me into playing this this a bit of the game and so far it hasn't done that maybe it will maybe i haven't met space garvey <laughs> space <laughs> yeah. garvey also
0: yeah also the thing was like the um they used to have the number of people in a town ticking down letting you know that your settlement was fucking up and you have to go and sort it <laughs> right. out basically in fallout 4 and i just again like oh well i guess that place is abandoned forever never mind i won't go there again like there's a bit of a bit of that to it and yeah it's it's true this is a bit more elegantly layered so you can kind of like um take or leave that stuff i think i just like fitted a light to one of my guns or something and i was like yeah that's fine that's it for me in this system i think just give me a fucking gun that can fire bullets explode or something and we'll be well on our way um so yeah yeah i think i i think i agree that it's not too overwhelming on that front Matthew, I was curious to know what you think of the very start of the game, because this seems to be the area where there was the most agreement that it doesn't totally work. And I think I agree. Basically, it's like uh you're in a mine and it's like (laughs) being a blue-collar worker in a sci-fi universe. Am I right? It's like that sort of thing, 101, basically. And then you uh, something happens with an artifact and you basically have a larger mission to go and execute you're taken to new atlantis which is probably the most boring setting in the game it's just this big um mass effect citadel style um shiny and clean sci-fi setting that doesn't really have many areas that are that exciting to explore and maybe sets actually too low a bar for what the game actually actually gives you actually offers you if you get out there and find
1: it so what did you make of that first stretch of the game? Really unexceptional. They've done some fantastic openings to games. I love the opening to Fallout 3, the whole kind of like your whole life flashing before your eyes. I think that's that's just so fun and playful. And in a sci-fi setting where you've got all these worlds and all this like weird tech, you know, the potential is just crazy. And and then what they opt for, like you say, is walking through quite a boring line. And then the the... the you know the first surface you step onto of this mining planet and it's just this like giant concrete landing pad and some gray rocks and it's so underwhelming compared to like emerging from the prison in, obsid- in oblivion or you know I- i'm not saying the wasteland in fallout 3 is like wow beautiful but there's a certain wow factor for to like the scale of the like the the, the sort of desolation of it and the wow, this isn't what I was expecting, but this is just sort of like, yep, bleak old space. And then, yeah, you're right, you go to definitely the most, like, boring, boring area in the game, New Atlantis. And and with some, like, quite bad hangs. Like, I, I, I'm not super into what I've played of the main questline, which revolves around this, like, organisation of explorers called Constellation, and... They're all a little bit worthy. If you kind of go with what the game pushes you towards in terms of your first main quest, you get lumbered with this companion who I, I ditched her as soon as I could. Like, very bad vibes of her. And um, I think... Did you call her Space Tory on Twitter? That was Chris Schilling. All uh, oh, right. <laughs> I merely agreed um, while dealing it a harsh assessment. Space Tory. That was great. That's why the, the, those first five hours with that first character, you know, I was... I was hanging out with them a lot and was like, oh man, is this is this really it? Like, <laughs> you know, eight years and to hang out with these... Eight years! <laughs> to hang out with these fucking boring bastards. And the thing I actually did differently, and I don't think this is a spoiler, this is a very early quest. The the first quest that you kind of do with Constellation uh, involves getting a piece of information from a guy who works with the... Uh, is it the United Collective? Is that what they're called? The UC? Three Star Collective. Is no who, oh. the united colonies i mean this again
0: uh, sums up some of the problems with the law of the game like yeah, yeah. right
1: no it's the united the united colonies who are kind of like the federation right i think yeah, UN, like they're, exactly. they're the kind of like legit boring face of civilization in the universe rather than like the cowboys yeah um rather than the, the firefly brigade <laughs> um and when you go there this guy will kind of send you on this in quest line, or you can like sign up and enlist with the, with with the the colonies here and um that was the quest people said oh you should really do that because it actually gives you like a, a a much better kind of grounding in in the story of this universe so far like you literally have a um what's it called your first day uh at work not indoctrination what's the word i'm thinking of induction Induction. <laughs> indoctrination. Indo- welcome to your indoctrination. Uh, I mean, induction. That's the joke I'd make if I was an HR guy doing that talk. That's, what, like, that's like,
0: what you hear Matthew say at the first uh, Backpage live show.
1: It's like, welcome, yeah. to, the, uh, in, uh, welcome yeah, the to the indoctrination. indoctrination. Oh, oh, sorry, wrong notes. I mean, induction. <laughs> <laughs> I never had my induction at Future, and it meant I, nev- I didn't get the Future fountain pen
0: i never got i never got one either maybe the induction's like fictional oh no there was a guy who i did have an induction like talk where a guy said i will never leave
1: here and then he, was he laid said off. i will never give you a fucking pen <laughs> <laughs> okay that's enough about that anyway um, enough about that anyway this induction was actually the introduction to the game that i wanted because y- you're just walking through this museum getting the history of this world from the perspective of these people. But the history is quite interesting, like what happened with the different factions. It foreshadows lots of stuff which is going to happen get in their faction side quest. And in maybe like 10 minutes, 10 interesting little hooks that don't exist in, in the opening hours of the Constellation stuff, where i was like oh yeah yeah i am interested in that like there's a mysterious vault that requires three things to open i was like oh i hope i get to open that vault with those three things (laughs) Um, and uh well i won't spoil if i did but uh you know that, that that kind of stuff there's a bit of like theater to it that's missing from the opening of the game you know and it's it's something more tangible, because the main quest line's a little bit two thousand and one, it's a little bit sort of weird spaced magic stones Ooh. yeah, and this I was like, oh, I get the stakes here i I'm, I'm like I'm kind of in so the quest that
0: you're referring to, I did that entire quest line and thought it was the main quest line because, oh right it, it, <laughs> because it drew my eye enough as a player right. to lead me to think that. I was supposed to do this, um, right. and so it was only after <laughs> I finished that quest line and got to the excellent conclusion of that quest line, which I think ties a bow on uh, on that history that you learn about that universe very nicely, Matthew. i um, assuming you got to the end of the site of the quest as I did.
1: I actually haven't finished it. No, undoubtedly
0: that quest line has some interesting choices along the way that relate to the history of the Starfield universe. Right. Right. I seem yeah. I seem you have seen enough of the game to know that.
1: So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, yeah
0: so i think there's, lot, there's some good reveals in it absolutely i thought that was very strong and then when it was over i was like oh yeah they were to go find this piece of metal in some planet and <laughs> I, i've completely forgot that that was actually the quest line so i you know it sounds like you missed it the first time but certainly for me it felt like elegantly enough it it drew me into to doing that as my kind of like proper intro to the game so maybe that's why i feel like i've had such a good experience oh, with it because that, that yeah, was I mean- my runway you know
1: yeah, and, I, I had a, and that is what kept me playing in the second play. Like, it instantly took me to, like, some much more interesting sci-fi. And it's kind of, I, you know, I'm, I'm at, I think we'll talk about this in the second section. It is quite interesting how different factions or different planets or cities kind of represent different bits of sort of sci-fi or different directions sci-fi can kind of go in. Hmm. So the chances are there's probably something in here which will, like, scratch, scratch... You know, one of your sci-fi itches, yeah. And that storyline, you know, that isn't two thousand one. Like it's, I won't say what it relates to, but it's a lot more kind of actiony and weird than I was expecting from the off. Yeah,
0: it, it is with some nice secrets to uncover. So yeah, I'm really strong. I think that is a good segue, though, Matthew, to a question I did want to ask you, which is like, does this game have a good sci-fi universe? But and I think to give you kind of a bit of, of my take on this, I think in some ways you've alluded to it there that bethesda's universes fallout obviously is not their universe it, it was lifted from another developer but they've expanded it but certainly elder Scrolls. it feels like they build durable and accommodating universes more than extremely distinctive universes i.e they are built to accommodate certain types of stories and quests they need to they need to have that kind of function in a way that And maybe like another setting for like a book or a film might not because they've right they draw draw the canvas so wide basically that anything can fit inside of it and i think that you need to come to their fiction with that in mind that it's built it's built to it's built for that sort of thing but does that make it bad or do you think that's a good (laughs) approach to creating an rpg universe
1: i think you're definitely right about its strengths as a sort of foundation for video game quest lines it's not so outlandish that you can't have like the mundane activities that you inevitably need to kind of pad something like this out. It does allow for the different like factions, or like I said, different planets to kind of go in different directions and deal with different ideas. I don't feel like any of it's too challenging considering like the opportunities that science fiction affords you in terms of you can go like properly galaxy brained if you want and i've not seen anything where i've been like oh wow holy shit that's such a cool idea or like you've really moved the needle on on this kind of discourse or you basically have permission to create anything when you're dealing with this genre and that's obviously could be a very powerful tool in making some really like crazy quest lines and what i've seen most of it wouldn't be out of place in fallout and like fallout's tech level what a galactic scale gives you is the opportunity to build self-contained stories that are kind of just away from other civilizations and i haven't really sensed them like exploiting that um i've not gone anywhere i've been like what a crazy alien race which, which have got a really distinct cultural problem which makes me think all these interesting things everywhere i've gone there are kind of humans with relatively human problems it's not like three body problem or foundation it's not like Uh, You know, a galactic epic told over thousands of years. Though I should say, uh, people do hint at New Game Plus being interesting in some maybe science fiction-y way yeah it does sound like
0: there's something big there that's i feel like i must be on the brink of getting to that now so um although i decided to go down another one of the uh the faction quest lines because that tends to be where the best content is to uh yeah. take me away from looking for those I, damn artifacts I, but yeah
1: i am incredibly tempted just i I've, the temptation just to f- find out what the new game plus thing is yeah uh, is very strong because i know i won't be getting to it for quite a while <laughs> uh but also if it's genuinely interesting yeah like i don't want to see it like i've seen people say it's like near automata levels of like clever
0: yeah do you think near automata is the reason it has something like this do you think because that game really does
1: that it is big on
0: recontextualizing things you've already experienced in a playthrough but it's just crazy to think a game like that could influence a game like this but it doesn't seem plausible um yeah it makes me my guess is it's got something to do with like transporting you into the body of another person or something like that and it's some kind of like you die but you also go on element that's kind of like my guess of what it is right but, but
1: i well, don't know what it is. So, you know i i you know i sit here going like oh it doesn't have like the galactic scale of a of a you know three body problem or, or foundation but it might do like for all we know the new game plus is like it jumps forward a thousand years and then you're like <laughs> what the fuck and the whole thing's changed i don't think it will be that too much based work. on like, too much work but if that was the thing i would be into that i've got lot, lots of versions of that game <laughs> in my head and i it'll inevitably be disappointing it'll just be like holy shit you got an amazing hat uh <laughs> and you're like oh really this is what everyone's excited about sam co gives you his cool hat <laughs> yes because he's already got an amazing hat um yeah so it's um it's funny
0: because I-, I think that one thing that is fair to say about it like you say it's it's not even really as like bold as something like star trek which does have yeah. basically its version of race and religion based wars right which yeah no offense to humanity they will absolutely still be having when they're in space like they'll definitely be <laughs> bickering about like shit that a dude said two thousand years ago. Like that will definitely be happening in um, in space. So there's a bit of that missing to it, where like the wildest thing you get really is like the snake worshipping uh sort of faction, right? And fucking space snake. It's all a bit <laughs> space snake, isn't it? House Varoon. <laughs> and then whatever the crimson the crimson dudes are up to, they've got like their own thing as well. I've not really investigated. But they're
1: just like them. pirates, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think they might have a quest line. Maybe I'm not sure, but I think there, yeah. there, there might be more to them. To
1: uh, oh, to yeah, I'm, I'm, do- like, I'm doing like all the faction quest lines basically, yeah. So I'm like, t- I'm basically like two quests deep into every faction, <laughs> yeah. I am doing stuff with them, which is kind of interesting.
0: Well, that I think actually speaks to another of the game's strengths, which is it's really good at signposting what the things that matter are. You know what I mean? Just, like, with icons or just it being obvious from the context how important the quest is versus, I don't know, a husband and wife had a bust-up or whatever, like, on, on like, a killer city. You're like, well, I can can skip that because I've got to go with...
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you you like the delivery system, the way it plants the seeds of a lot of quests, where if you walk past two NPCs discussing a mission, it adds it to, like, this vague activities log, which you then follow to get to the mission start. I like yeah, that activity okay. look for me is so full of stuff and I'm like what the fuck does any of this relate to like I, I don't know if I'm just missing the NPC dialogue but it's it's like the triggers are not clear to me and it, it inundates you with stuff as well I think the problem with that
0: is it needs to try and fix your attention more when it happens, because in a first-person game where you can run around at all times, it's really easy to get out of earshot of what they're talking about because you're running right. around. You're running around an open world trying to get to a place you you want to go to, and so yeah, you might just catch like two words or maybe no words. It just appears. So I do agree that maybe like it could use a button that's like focus, and then you just you just focus on the conversation that's right. being had, as you might have in some other kind of open-world game. So yeah I think I agree with that, but I do like the idea of it. The idea that like you're sort of like junkie tick them off and get some x p. or credits quests are ambiently out there in the world for you to find they are world building in themselves that's a cool idea plus yeah. the fact is like i actually think while i think there's some real problems with the inventory system in this game it's chaos so you do not have enough like room for any of your stuff like even really early on it's actually quite distressing <laughs> as a player if you're like if you try and be organized about this the actual like the way that quests have their own drop down menus in the in the menu that's excellent i think it just means you can keep this laser focus despite the fact that the scale of the game you know is so enormous you could go in any direction and there'd be a million different things going on it's actually really good at keeping you focused in the midst of that so that's one area where i think it really deserves praise it has great it has great main quests for you to do and like and faction quests but the, it's also really easy to keep track of which one which ones matter and which ones you're supposed to be doing so mm. it's a good game matthew it's good I'm enjoying it. It's very very enjoyable, I think, so far. Matthew, should we take a quick break and come back with some more in-depth thoughts about Starfield? Let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. So, we're talking about Starfield. That's what this podcast is about. So, we're going to do more of that in section two, which in my document says more granular stuff. So, Matthew, is there a particular highlight of what you've played so far of Starfield?
1: How spoilery can we be? (laughs) Well,
0: we've tried to be relatively spoiler-free, so I think maybe, maybe give the shape of the thing that is your highlight without spoiling the full thing.
1: I've experienced a few, I'd say, heavier action set pieces, which traditionally... Would absolutely flummox Bethesda's engine. There is stuff with something called the Terramorph, which actually your introduction to it. I thought was a like a not not a. I'm not going to oversell it and say it's like a horror set piece, but it was. Clearly, kind of tapping into like aliens. It's brilliant, brilliant quest. That is something that would have really been beyond them before. Whenever those their games try and do big set pieces, it's where like, you just see so much of the jank colliding together. This just like behaved as it, as it was meant to behave, and and that happening in a semi-open world, that's quite cool. Like I'm all, I'm always impressed when when games of this scale also focus on making something more granular in you know in greater detail and, and kind of more exciting in a very specific moment and I, I like it when you can do both of those things you've got like both of those registers i guess and this definitely does that like it can do invasions and outbreaks and kind of chaos a lot better than they previously could so that that's been cool yeah that that that
0: mission the first introduction to the terramorph is like memorably good and then i think there's a few missions along the way that use the terramorph in in similar similarly impressive ways so yeah that's that's super good i think that there was like a choice i made in the game so far that i won't spoil That's along one of the quest lines we discussed that i thought was oh this is that it was the first time that i think that the story had really drawn me in where i've been like oh i actually understand what's going on and what the stakes are and what the ramifications are of doing this and you know i could lie i could tell the truth i could you know extort people and i was like these are all the things that bethesda rpgs can do really well at their best like firing on all cylinders and i've had a few moments like that but there's one in particular that just really stood out and i think that i i think there's bound to be more to come one thing that actually has impressed me is that i i've i've never really been So I've always thought that Bethesda's world building is great. Like, they they create these really nice open world maps, as we discussed, and, you know, make great use of the Horizon line and give you these great varieties of locations. In Fallout, some of the places they would take you to, like the comic book shop in, or, like, that big boat in Boston or, you know, like the... um, is it Fenway Park, the, the the stadium, baseball stadium. They've turned mm. into a whole um, settlement in Fallout Four. Like they're really good at creating those individual locations. And but one one thing I thought they'd never really nailed until I played this was the idea of like a massive scale uh, location. And there's a couple in this where I was like, you know what? these are really impressive as undertakings. And maybe you couldn't fit all of these in like one open world. Maybe you couldn't walk from like, you know, Neon to a killer city in the same place without it having some kind of loading screen. But just like the, as individual places, they are more spectacular, I think. In an almost like, cyberpunk-esque way in terms of the scale you know maybe Mm. not in terms of like the visual fidelity but certainly the scale than they've previously been able to achieve so i think that actually like some of the world builders just really impressed me have you been to the red mile matthew Have you been to that place it doesn't ring a bell yeah you'd know it if you went there but it's kind of like uh without spoiling too much of it it's got a kind of like a sort of uh death sort of trap game show element where you basically have to run through this big environment of like nasty stuff and try and survive and then then people at this bar will make bets on you uh, surviving or not and you'll encounter loads of corpses along the way like it's a one it feels like it's a one-off location but it's really well rendered and really beautifully brought to life and and again i was surprised because i I kind of i got used to the idea that you were just going to see the same set of like gray or beige buildings on different planets and then when you do see something that's distinctive you're like oh wow this is really cool actually and there's, there seems to be a lot of that in there as an undertaking. It seems like they've built more stuff for this game than they've ever had to build before for yeah. a Bethesda RPG. And that I, scale constantly impresses me.
1: Is it churlish, though, that when you go from those very bespoke places to what is clearly templated, like, my heart does sink a little bit. And I get that the scale of what they've had to build and the amount that they've had to build, but... The game does contain both, and I I do find it a little bit harder to be excited about the spaceship interiors. You can just see the rooms or like the tiles that they've kind of built it all from, and it, <laughs> it, that's that's yeah. a little bit Fallout Three like being in the vaults again, and you're like Ugh. that feels quite old to me. No, I agree. But then like you can't make everything new, and I get that. And it, it's definitely stronger by pursuing the, the the quest lines that take you to these these interesting places and you can join this kind of corporation called ryujin i'd say it's like the cyberpunk it's a bit like arasaka type deal it's like this big you know comically evil sort of satirical version of a corporation where everyone's trying to like shit on each other and it it's quite obvious that all their corporate speak is sort of code for basically like murdering all their all their rivals and everything and it's a little bit on the nose but you know it takes place in this like gorgeous kind of office that's all sort of you know oriental design and, and and sort of zen gardens and all this kind of stuff and i haven't seen you know i've only been to one place with all that and that's 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 really cool it sells you on the promise that something interesting could be behind any door whether or not it is play it and see <laughs> yeah i do agree that some of the more modular generic
0: locations make your heart sink a little bit when you land on a planet and that's all you see like i yeah i actually i do agree with that and i think that yeah like it's just the way the place are cluttered and i have very little patience now for picking through and finding bits and you know the little bits and pieces carrying a fucking ashtray to go
1: sell it to some (laughs) some (laughs) bellend on new atlantis like that i kind of agree with you on you know the 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 only clutter i'm interested in and it's what keeps you looking at all the clutter even though you don't want to engage with any of it are like the permanent stat upgrade books yeah like yeah. so those are just like those are gold you know that's a per- a permanent change to your character forever of course you're going to pick those up there's enough of them that it has made me go well i better go and look for a stat comic in every single <laughs> building and you're just looking through and it looks quite a lot like there's an asset of like a notepad and there's an asset of a piece of paper with just some scr- scribbles on it which are very similar to it so you often have to really get up close and have a proper look that's very annoying they knew exactly what they were doing and they created those assets
0: yeah that's true that's true so yeah sort of like yeah i would say those locations aside then like i'm i think the spectacle of the the universe is pretty amazing and like has has constantly impressed me when i do go to these distinctive locations and i'm like oh there's even more stuff i haven't seen yet and you know i'm only 25 hours in so there's more there's more of that to be mm. found i would hope and i think there's like maybe one more
1: city i've not seen as well so excited to go out and find that but- um, I, I've been doing the the Free Star Collective faction, and they're like the Cowboys, basically. That they're, they're quite like the is it the Minutemen in Fallout Four? Very much so, yeah. They are like your space Garveys for sure, and. <laughs> um, i think a lot of people are going to gravitate into towards though because working with them pairs you up with a bloke who's voiced by him out of deus ex human revolution
0: elias tufexis adam yes. jensen
1: and it's just Adam because that guy's voice is what it is you've got cowboy adam jensen with you which is funny
0: it's like the probably the easiest sell i've ever had for a companion in an rpg <laughs> right it's like what if adam <laughs> jensen was a cowboy and he was your mate like yes. i'm sold thank you <laughs>
1: um so that's great, and also their quest lines kind of takes you to places where the, it, it's it's kind of like wild west planets, but they're a little bit more lived in, and some of them are like farms, so they've got like nice barns and lots of greenery, and those are actually the only kind of like reasonably lush planets I've probably visited where a lot of it's been just like barren rock and very very depressing and I was like, oh, is this just like empty rock simulator? That's that's very much the sort of the vibe of of, like certainly the central quest lines so far. Landing and seeing a farm with like all this life and greenery and colour was probably different enemies, you know. Yeah, and slightly different. Yeah, and and like big weird aliens popped out of the ground and stuff. And it gives you a sort of spark of hope that there's there there are other weirder, more interesting things out there rather Mm. than just rock, rock, rock. And the flip side to that is I haven't yet discovered anything more interesting than than that, planet-wise.
0: Yeah, I'm willing to believe there are weirder things out there. But, like, yeah, like you, I, I, that, that is probably the limits of the strange stuff I've seen so far. So, yeah, in some ways as well, it feels like the colour palette of Starfield imposes some limitations on on how weird it can get. That's at least how it feels where I am now. Like, it is, it's designed to be this, you know expanse style plausible quote-unquote sci-fi setting industrial setting like you say like the power level of fallout weirdly makes sense here despite them not technically being the same fiction so yeah 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 so it's 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 interesting so matthew i suppose that that is a good uh, segue to talk about the weaker aspects of the game can i kick off with one uh yeah, sp- sure. spaceship combat oh, is, God. <laughs> is is it's it's makes such a bad first impression that Like, I know there are skills that improve it, and I know that your first spaceship is particularly (laughs) crap, but Star Fox, this ain't.
1: (laughs) Thoughts on that one? Oh, yeah. Because you think it's going to have a little bit of, like, ship simulation. You control, like, the power that you put into engines and different weapons. In reality, what it actually is is just shooting very long-distance things in a tiny reticule, and then slowly turning around and shooting them again i like whether i win or lose i just haven't really worked out the logic behind those sometimes they've got the same level as me and i win sometimes they've got the same level as me and i and i just get pummeled and lose
0: yeah it's like i'm gonna fly in a straight line and hope for the best and that is every (laughs) that is every
1: single encounter
0: i've had in 25 hours you know
1: part of their spiel is whatever sci-fi hero trope you want to be it's in this game somehow if there's any version of this which makes you feel like fucking Han Solo I cannot imagine what (laughs) you'd have to do to the ship upgrades for it to be much more fun than it is which is not very fun at all it really to me actually the way space works uh, basically it's an instance of space in the outer atmosphere of a planet so the planet's always in the background and then there are some things orbiting and maybe some other ships you're never just in like the depths of like empty space like you're always kind of tethered to a to a planet Mm. um that all just feels like a really weird mini game to me, like it just doesn't feel like it has anywhere near the the same kind of depth or sophistication as what's going on in the planet with like your character build it it's very undercooked yeah it's a weird one because it, the thing is, I think it highlights
0: the other the strangeness with the uh the traveling between worlds more generally in this game, which is in a lot of cases, you never have to get inside your spaceship, you just bring up a fast travel menu, you navigate. A whole bunch of menus yeah you just like get to your mission you hit like show location then you set location where you want to travel and at most um it will normally it'll just take you straight there um but at most you might not have explored the route there so you have to like go to the orbit of a of a planet just to say you've been there so you can then right. hyper drive away to another place so it's a weird one because i think it it highlights that the weirdness of that decision which i think actually does make sense there's no world in which i think they make you travel between worlds manually that people would like it had to be this way but i think it does also maybe cast questions about well was this the best game for you to make then you know because because you couldn't quite nail this spaceship side of things
1: and it's it's an interesting question you know probably my grandest thought on this and i know it's awful when people who don't make games do this like well why didn't you do this instead instead of like eight years of trying to solve problems how do you generate the surface of a thousand planets and how do we do space travel why didn't they just do the the bits which are quite like fallout which we know that they could do Why didn't they just do that in, like, half the time? (laughs) And we could have enjoyed that, and then we could have enjoyed another game from them. I feel like they've been toiling away, and all the stuff which is, like, very evolved or new just doesn't do it for me. The planet stuff, the space stuff, everything else, they did a lot of their problem-solving in those earlier games, because it's so close. You can see so much of those games in them. That's got huge guy outside of games going, well, why didn't you just... uh, Why didn't you just... Cut out the space and do it in four years. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, which is very much what our like next episode is going to be about—like <laughs> shitting on that, uh, on idiots like me. But a little bit of my brain does think that we could have had this. A while back, and then we could have had Elder Scrolls. Now, I just don't know what the what the what the game was of the ambition of this has pushed it in a direction I don't really care for.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a weird one because I think they just felt like they needed to give you the scale, and that was one of the USPs of yeah. the game. But so far, like, I actually one one thing I think it gives the game in terms of world building is you can have a place that culturally feels extremely different to another place, yeah. and it's supposed it, to be more plausible than like it's a ten minute walk away, just go over there. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. But- yeah
1: yeah I just don't know why they didn't they could have done that in like Mass Effect yeah Mass Effect does that it's true it's true Uh, and it just and you just jump around a star map and that would have been fine or like don't give us the whole planets give us like the main city and then a smaller wasteland style thing around it or again like absolute guy who doesn't know what he's talking about
0: that is mostly what they do though they don't give you the entire world they give you like a patch of the world to explore yeah and that's what you need though
1: that's where all the good stuff lives is in that patch so why do you need all the other patches where there's fuck all
0: yeah, it's it's an interesting question because, yeah, Mass Effect does like, you know, it gives you the feeling that you're going around a galaxy, but it's 25 hours long, you know? So, yeah. It's, it's true that, you know, and, you know, <laughs> maybe it's time to bring back planet scanning, Matthew. A um, bit of that, basically. because well, it has
1: got like, a bit of planet scanning because you can work out, like, oh, I'm going to build an outpost here and, like, drill into the rock to pull out this particular element. What are you going to do with that element? I'm going to build another outpost. And then what? Uh, i don't know drill for more elements and build more out <laughs> where, where does the outpost game go like what the fuck is that about i just i just don't get it it's like what put you just am i
0: just like trying to be bp in the universe of like fucking starfield
1: basically congratulations you've fracked this virtual universe <laughs> like achievement unlocked i guess
0: <laughs> well the good thing is as well like i think you can sort of like give that stuff a miss and then just kind of uh, focus on the yeah. main quest stuff which is what i've been doing and You know, that's that's okay. But yeah, it is interesting just how much game there is in this and how much game is arguably unnecessary in the midst of that. Well all I can all I can say is that what like you said earlier, Matthew, there is a stickiness to these games. People will play them over and over again, people will invest years in them. I can see a world where people do want do get drawn into that stuff and is interesting to them someone on twitter messaged me saying i've made a storage system where you can put an item in a crate and my automatic crate system will like sort it into the box where that type of item is kept and he said it took me six hours to build and i was like right we are completely different types of player and it's good that the (laughs) game could accommodate your way of playing but also i'm happy with the top line Let's go on some space adventures with Adam, uh, with Adam Jensen in a right. cowboy hat side of things. So, yeah, right. it's, it's a weird one.
1: And the other thing, which is like a little bit unfair about the criticism about the exploration and, and how it just feels like endless fast travel, is that if this game was true exploration, if you could fly from the planet's surface up into space between planets, you would inevitably just end up doing the fast travel system, which this game is, And be like, oh, fuck all that, after like an hour or so. But just because it isn't there, you're like, very lazy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like I said, I think they have what they've given people
0: is the best way to circumnavigate what they've built.
1: Like, I think that's... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's almost like they made a bigger game, and then, like, over time, they're like, well, this is the optimal way of getting around it, and this is probably what people will want. And it is what you'd want. <laughs> but just because it's the only option, you're like, well, it's not really proper space travel, is it? Because it's just a load of quick loading. And it's like, well, that's that's all I would be doing if you actually... Like, when I play No Man's Sky, I'm like, I wish I could just fast travel everywhere instantly. You well, know? that's it. That, like, that's the thing. It's not trying to be a space
0: simulation game space no. simulation game is offering something very particular and you know uh and 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 achieve those things in on their own particular terms this is not trying to be that and i think it's better for it for the type of game that it is at its core, which is an RPG where you go you go up to um slightly odd NPCs and talk to them about stuff and that's and that's fine. So yeah, that's that's a definite weaker element because as well, like they've gated some of the more interesting like space combat stuff behind uh leveling up and stuff like that. And it's sort of like, you know what, if this game if you just had a barrel roll at the start, it would be so much better. <laughs> it just would be right. like some method to dodge. Instead, like I said, I'm just going in a straight line and hoping I don't get shot down before they do. <laughs> is not the one dog so um that's uh that misfires slightly anything else matthew you think is a weaker aspect i actually like uh- i will say um highlights combat is good in this like you say i just did like one of those space stations that's like completely anti-grav and just shot loads of dudes in anti-grav just sort of like jetting around it with my little backpack I had a great mm. time but um yeah on the weaknesses um, side what do you what do you think
1: quite bad inventory my big problem with the inventory is actually looting because you don't know what anything is until you've picked it up it just gives you the name it doesn't go like this is a gun and i'm looking at these people going Am I picking up a backpack, a gun? What the fuck am I actually picking up? Unless I'm missing something super obvious, I find that quite confusing. So now I just don't, I only pick up credits, ammo, and digipicks. Anything else is just a risk. <laughs> I'm going to be carrying something heavy that I'm going to have to drop at some point. <laughs> Loads of people have said that, though. The, the fact that there isn't a proper map system on the planets, that's that's a super boring but obvious one. And I, I find the. You have like this scanning visor which can like map a kind of GPS-style route on the floor, but I actually find it quite hit and miss as to whether it actually activates. Like, the system itself doesn't know where I am, so it's just like, eh, I guess you're gonna have to figure it out for yourself. Uh, I, maybe you've played more of the main quest sign, but I, I, what I've played of that has been pretty shit so far. Like, I, I don't find the... Go around collecting magic stones, and the magic stones give you, like, magic powers it's kind of like skyrim's dragon cries like they're, they're very hooked on this the main quest line is collecting a load of stuff around that isn't my favorite mode i'd not rather something a bit more kind of focused and driven that's fair i got i don't, again don't know if i'm on
0: the main quest or not i don't think i am at the moment someone tipped me off that is it the uh the cowboys are they called the free free something rangers yeah something like that I can't free remember the called free star collective right. That's the that's who they are, is it? Okay, I cannot yeah. remember these names, so it's just it's tough. Like um, so yeah, that I got tipped off. That quest may or may not lead you to quite a nice spaceship. So that's the reason I'm kind of like doing that that line oh. at the moment, which kind of tracks when you know what the subject of the quest is and um, what right, the things yeah, that yeah. they do at the start. So that's good. So again, I I think I've like accidentally wandered off of the the main path again. So yeah, I mean, like it certainly hasn't gripped me enough to stick with it. Um. have have yeah. you done
1: the Mantis questline? No, I don't think so. What does that involve? Mostly from from relatively early on, you pick up a note on the body of random spaces saying, "Everyone get to this planet. There's something cool there." And then you go there, and <laughs> there's something cool there. Oh no, I've not done that. That sounds that sounds rad though. It's the absolute like classic Bethesda questline in terms of a little story, self-containing one, gives you some really good loot, the environmental storytelling of this thing. It's very like pop culture friendly. I won't say what element of pop culture it taps into, because I think they'll give the game away, but it, it feels like the kind of descendant of some questlines that we've done before in Fallout that I know that you're fond of, so...
0: Oh, okay, I think I can work out what you're alluding to there. Um,
1: It's a little bit mysterious, it's a little bit goofy, and then you get something quite cool at the end of it. Okay, cool. I will say as well, by the way, to listeners: uh, there is
0: a fucking annoying alarm going off in the background of my recording. So if you can hear a noise, you're not going completely mad. Uh, there is a sound that my microphone's picking don't up. Don't worry, probably.
1: I will cut around all of your talking. Oh my god, what an absolute nightmare that would be! That Patreon. I've pay had to do that with idea. so many of our interviewees' bad mics. If they're not <laughs> talking, their audio basically been cut.
0: <laughs> I'm not capable of doing such things because I uh, don't understand how uh, audio editing works. So mine are always well, much more And elementary. I really don't either. I just Like i got to get rid of that noise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look forward to finding those quests, Matthew. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I will say that there's there's just so many good breadcrumb trails they've given me so far. I completed one quest line and it kind of ended with a character basically just giving me targets to go and assassinate, which I thought was quite cool, and then just bring back the evidence
1: and get some money. That was was uh, neat. Yeah, yeah. I think I've done that one.
0: Okay, so yeah, you you have done the same bit I was alluding to earlier. So yeah, okay. This is a good game. I'm having a really good time. I think it's like amazing how moorish it is considering that i really did think from that first hour that this is going to be hard work to do an episode about this i thought oh no have they made a sci-fi universe too dry that i'm not really drawn into but mm. i don't know it's 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 definitely like won me over so matthew i was curious how you feel about um should we talk a bit more about the settlements matthew is there anything you want to ask me about about those
1: yeah well i was i was going to ask if you'd been to paradiso no i don't think so Where this game does occasionally do the the Fallout thing of, like, you walk over a hill and then there's a a weird-looking building is you land on something and you're like, okay, what the hell is this place still, you know? Yeah. Uh, Because you get, like, a nice little animation of your ship landing and you can see some stuff. And a trope I quite like in any game really not just open world games is like functioning tourist resort <laughs> um, like I, I, I like places where you can just go and have a pretend holiday and then also get up to some mischief in them that's a big hitman trope i really like and fall that kind of does it occasionally where it's sort of like you'll happen a place where they're like desperately trying to hold on to like some semblance of the old world or civility and it's kind of cute and kind of funny and when you do spend a lot of time landing on just empty rocks with the occasional cloned base <laughs> landing on a place and seeing something, like, quite grand and spectacular-looking. The game does have a couple of those wow fa- wow moments. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely does, yeah. I do like Neon, the cyberpunk city. You know, when you go there, you're actually like, oh, this is there's a huge art lift on this game (laughs) yeah there's some there's something here that i've
0: not seen in other bethesda rpgs in terms of the the effort and like the undertaking yeah um yeah really impressive and there's some also like the culture in neon is completely different to other places as well it's more of a like lawless kind of city right i've been mean, a bit like um what's that place in mass effect 2 omega it's a bit like that right it's like the omega right, yeah, of, the, yeah, yeah. of starfield so yeah you know mass effect definitely like if you if you enjoy mass effect there's definitely some of the same dna here in terms of how they build um build universes out of like you know uh sci-fi imagery or tropes i guess so right. definitely like a similar sort of thing um
1: a here's a quick question for you yep i don't know if you get this but i always get this in bethesda games what's the prop of this game what's that what's the bit of clutter that you see the most or sticks with you the most what's the <laughs> thing where you're like oh that fucking thing like it, it, it always happens in these games like you know i think i can't remember which fall it was which had a big crafting i think maybe four had the crafting system and i was i was always searching for electronic fans or little um, stove heaters. Right. My mind was just like mega tuned into those. Mm. Um, but I'm just curious if there's any of the from your limited hours with the game, if you if you can predict what is the what's the <laughs> standout, what's the what's the MVP clutter <laughs> of Starfield?
0: Oh, so, the thing is, it's like it's quite hard to discern because early on. I didn't realize that you had an inventory in your ship and I just dumped loads of shit on the floor of my spaceship and <laughs> <laughs> and then realized that the for some reason your in-ship inventory is extremely limited then I had to do the same thing again so there's still loads of shit on the uh, floor of my <laughs> ship I eventually bought a little house in the killer and just dumped all my shit there instead so I can go back there later so there's a lot of like vague rocks and stuff like that Right The thing I, the thing I keep like noticing the most weirdly is like that is that fucking like metal girder thing that's like a uh, like, three bits of metal stuck together and it weighs, like, two, so it takes up loads of your
1: inventory.
0: <laughs> like, do you know the bit of the thing I mean? It's not visually distinctive, really, but you see it in the environment, you're like, oh, great, another fucking one of these I don't know how to use. <laughs> or, like, milk. I find milk sometimes. And like Some, Something called chunks. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Chunks, because they're just, like, vague matter, like, ball. The name like squares, is enough as well. Like every time you're like, oh, it's chunks again. <laughs> yeah um also digipix which i've accidentally sold many times because they're in the fucking miscellaneous menu and not in another right, and menu you didn't know what they were that's, no that's, that's
1: uh, oh, so that's annoying. an absolute classic I, I had that the first time i played fallout 3 i didn't realize or i didn't make the connection between physical bottle caps and caps being the currency right so like if you went into a place and there are a load of bottle caps on a table i'd be like well i'm not picking those up what the fuck did i want the bottle caps <laughs> um, and it's only like hours later you're like oh the untold riches i've thrown away yeah. Uh This one here, I was very quick to be like, "What does the lockpick look like? What does a, what does money look like in this world?" Because I don't want to make that mistake. I think for me, it's chunks. Uh, the, the terror brew coffee cups. they're fucking everywhere and they're in places where like the story's like no one's been here for a thousand years or whatever and you're like yeah apart from some fucking guy drinking terror brew so you know it's probably that the other one is how many fucking dickens books there are (laughs) because i guess it's like license free to print it's like out of copyright now so you can print uh, you can pick up dickens but if you go to your uh, i went to uh, uh, I've got the perk where I have parents, and yeah, I can me go too. To their, Best perk in the game. I can go to their house with my old bedroom in it. And if you look at the bookshelves, or the bookshelves in my bedrooms, he's got like four copies of Oliver Twist <laughs> and like three copies of Great Expectations, and it's just it just paints me as a total maniac. Um, that's that's very odd. Oh, that someone didn't think. Is it weird if there's more than one Oliver Twist? Pro- there should be some kind of like, if Room has Oliver Twist, do not spawn second Oliver Twist. <laughs> Again, Matthew, you're telling
0: the programmers what to do there, but I think you might I'm be just right saying, on this one.
1: That's, Just code that in and save yourself the
0: humiliation. <laughs> Of a bookshelf that only <laughs> consists of Oliver Twist. I'll tell you what, actually, the fu- this does remind me of the funniest thing that's happened in this game, and I laughed out loud at this. So, there is obviously a bounty system in this, but the bounty works per faction. So, there are different worlds under the, under the jurisdiction of different um, different factions. And I think that maybe as Freestar Collective, I went to, I had like a 77 bounty. And what happens is when you go to a planet that's occupied by that faction and you try and land, they'll scan your ship for contraband, i.e. items that you've stolen. Very similar to how um, stolen items work in previous Bethesda RPGs where it comes up as red and you basically have to be hidden to like steal the item without, mm. getting, without there being consequences. And I had to pay a 77 credits fine. And the only two contraband items they took off of me was <laughs> a chicken masala and <laughs> and the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> I mean that's a killer evening there, it? <laughs> and I just absolutely cracked up at the idea of losing <laughs> <me>, my contraband <laughs> items. Like the idea that we scanned your spaceship and you need to return this curry in this book. <laughs> like
1: oh, a space judge would be like reading out the list of evidence and yeah. they're like Evidence A: <laughs> uh, uh, Chicken masala. <laughs> Evidence B: c- A copy of of Monte Cristo's stained voice said chicken masala. <laughs> also,
0: the idea that like we're going to return this masala to its
1: rightful owner—like that's just gu- why—who's uh, yeah. <laughs> like lives in another star system? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Where's my chicken masala?" <laughs> wow, I never thought I was going to get that back. What a pleasant surprise! <laughs> So that made me laugh so much.
0: That's like the kind of weird systems of Bethesda at work there. Just the strangeness of those systems being thrown together. And found it very charming, um, really. But um, yeah,
1: that's good. Uh, oh, that's... Oh, the, the ship that scanned you as well was just like... And they see the X-ray of your ship. And somewhere there's a tiny... And someone's like, wait, I think that's a chicken masala. <laughs> and
0: he's just left it on the floor of his spaceship, the Hello, fucking maniac. <laughs> <laughs> next to the Count of Monte Cristo um yeah okay so yeah that was um yeah so I wish I had a better answer to your question about like uh what is the MVP object
1: sometimes these things you know they take a while where you to sort of emerge yeah you know I'm still in the early days of reading a room's worth of clutter and kind of getting a feel for it um have you got a house
0: I've got two now I've got like uh I bought the cheap one in the well on New Atlantis I don't know why I did that because I hate New Atlantis and don't like going there and uh, I bought the, uh, the larger building in Akila City so you get like a big room basically and that, that room
1: just has loads of stuff on the floor as explained so right. how about you? I did a perk where I started with a house. Oh that's a nice idea. One of the things you pick at the start. So I've had this house except the first quest line is pay it off. It, it's like instantly a burden. Oh, it tells you that, doesn't it, in the perk menu? It's like. It, do, it does say it, but it is. You find out you've got this house and you go to a bank. You either pay for it all at once or we'll foreclose on the property. And you're like, I haven't even been there yet. You know, I haven't been to this house that you're threatening to take away from me. So that was a bit bleak. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I went there, I realised it's a huge mansion, but it's it's absolutely empty. And so begins the kind of like furniture crafting side of the game. Like, it's basically tricking you into being interested in the kind of crafting, which I'm not. I'm not going to collect resources to fill that house. So it's just, it's forever empty, apart from like, it's got one sleeping bag on the floor. Um, <laughs> and I, that's like it. I think it serves you right for picking the
0: Tom Nook uh, fucking perk, Matthew. That's like on you, I think, you know?
1: You get a. A house in Tears of the Kingdom that you get to like build and like kit out, and I have such fondness for that that I was like, oh, I'm gonna, like, oh, I wonder if it will be like Tears of the Kingdom, and actually, it's it's just it's just a very lonely place. I don't know how <laughs> it will ever like not feel lonely, like unless I can. I don't think you can invite companions to like live there. I don't know. Maybe if you romance them, they move in or something. But it's got like f- you know five bedrooms. And I'm like, who's ever gonna? what's going to fill this place yeah that is a
0: bit weird actually i i, I did what i did when i bought my second uh, home in this game i was there thinking why is it compelling to own a property in this game none of it is my property it's all a computer game like i can
1: yeah just,
0: i could just ditch stuff in the headquarters of um what they called the uh the con of constellation and then it would make all this it'd be might as well be the same experience as playing as having my own home but for some reason it's always compelling isn't it to have a
1: little house in a game it's oh uh, yeah i it's it's just like going to a going to a spa in a game, you know, it's like going to a tourist place. It's there's something thrilling about something as mundane well not mundane as as fantastical as owning property I guess. <laughs> yeah absolutely so yeah i don't know all these little bits and pieces though like it's
0: again like like you say that there's a lot of like hints at wider systems you may not be interested in but this game is pretty good at protecting you from stuff you might not care about protecting <laughs> <laughs> well like but there is an element of that where i'm like all you have to do is give give the wrong person the wrong tutorial for a system they want nothing to do with, you know, like like that guy who was like making Factorio-style fucking automated interfaces for like ditching right. his shit. Like I'm never gonna do any of that stuff. Though shout out to that guy. It was uh, I appreciate the insight yeah. and the pictures of many many different containers. Um, but yeah, like it's um <laughs> it's just that. I, I don't. It's just, it just good. At, it's good at giving you the top line experience if you want it, and I do want the top line experience. Basically, I want to see all the good quests. I want to Hoover that up. I want to see all the good worlds, and that'll do me. I don't need to spend four hundred hours in this game. I want to spend one hundred very good hours in this game, and then I'll move on with my life. um Don't know yeah, what you think of that, Matthew
1: yeah no i yeah I'm, I'm fully on board make it 50 hours
0: <laughs> it's not going to be 50 hours based on where i am now i no. feel like i'm nowhere near um getting on top of this game in fact i feel like i've let the listeners down i was aiming for like 40 hours before this but unfortunately I had to go away for a week so i couldn't quite fit it in but hopefully it's still been insightful for people <laughs> there was one crude question i wanted to ask you matthew is how do you think this compares to Skate 3 for you since everyone's pitting them against each other um ne- they were not supposed to be released in the same year this game
1: was meant to come out a year ago but is that a relevant comparison do you think? No, not really. <laughs> if if what I like about Starfield is if you cleave away, you know, 99% of the galaxy, what's left I quite like. Borderscape doesn't even pretend to engage with all that 99%, you know. It is purely everything in there is just I mean in the crudest way possible. It's just written content. Like everything in there is something specifically interesting so everything in borders gate 3 is interesting to me i i think where borders gate has really broken these games for me and where i I probably wouldn't have had a as much of a not a problem but just a sort of shrug is the um like the reactivity of the game to the specific character both the character you build and the things they've done in 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 that world like When this occasionally throws you a bone and lets you use your background to say one thing, that maybe happens like once an hour for me in this game. It it just feels like such a rudimentary version of what Baldur's Gate is just constantly reinforcing who you are. And and that's fine because that's that's what they've dedicated a huge amount of time and money to, to doing. Like they're like this really matters, and this game doesn't. It's so basic. I almost, almost don't care. Like I almost wonder why why even bother. You know, like <laughs> if if every once in a while I can say something diplomatic to hear a slightly different variation on a line. Like I say, n- not a problem, but definitely something that jumps out in the wake of Baldur's Gate. Mm, um, interesting. But like mechanically, they're just so different. You know, one's are you know one's a, a you know, real-time kind of trigger-on-the-finger first-person shooter. It's, it's, it's very, very hard to compare. But that's fine. I mean, that's it shows the RPG to be in rude health, I guess, that it, that it can have these two very different things in them and, and then be equally enjoyed. Um, it's, yeah. it's kind of dumb to pit them against each other. Although I, I did laugh a little bit about the one of the Xbox leaks was a slightly dismissive email about Baldur's Gate. Did you see that? Uh, it's just the thing about how much it would cost to get it on Game Pass. The phrase was like it's like some sort of second rate Stadia RPG thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And it was just like low interest for Game Pass where right. now like they're bending over backwards and changing their entire <laughs> Series X Series S development policy to enable it to be on their platform. It's just, you know. That's funny because that,
0: that like raises questions about did did they understand what Divinity Original Sin 2 was and the landscape right. of games? So but yeah.
1: it's just, you know, it's the, the power of hindsight and, you know. Yeah. But, they, but Larry and very graciously, I've seen some of their people tonight going, well, everyone underestimated this and that's okay. Like, we well, believed yeah. in it. So. I,
0: I would feel that way too if I was rich as fuck, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, like, I'd, say, I'd, <laughs> be, I'd be
1: magnanimous as hell. Yeah.
0: This is a ridiculous year, isn't it? And I was curious, Matthew, after playing this, do you think you'll see it through? And do you think it'll trouble your
1: game of the year list? It's quite low priority for me of stuff to finish. Right. Um, I, I have I've I've definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. But it's an abnormally strong year. Will it make the top ten? I'm not sure. I don't think it would be too contrary if it didn't given what you know what else is currently on my list but you know I, st- I still need to finish borders gate 3 i still need to finish tears of the kingdom i still need to finish shadow gambit i've played some like all timers this year for me and still need to finish those so the idea that i could prioritize this before them is is kind of unlikely yeah but, i don't it, know it'll, it'll probably be in the conversation
0: yeah i think it's sort of like it's i think it's got a shot for sure but it's actually like. Um... I've got three games I know are going on there, and then the rest is like a big toss up. I think the good thing that's happened is that many of these games have come out earlier than they normally do, so there's actually a good run up to the end of the year to prep a good list, you know. So there's Mm. a bit of time to get through it. That said, there is also a Spider Man game coming out in like a month, (laughs) um, and like among many other things coming out in October, and uh, yeah, a few things after that as well. So, yeah, it's truly um it is the biggest year in in memory really isn't it i think it will um it'll probably end up going down in history this year as like one of those 2015 sized years or 1998 sized years you know what i mean just like um so much to like love from this year in, on the game side, so mm. yeah. But I think I will see it through. Like I really, I'm definitely going to see it at minimum to the end of those faction side quests. Want to see what this new game plus thing is, of course. Uh, determined to see that before some idiot spores it on social media. So yeah, that's um. It's been a very good time. I've I, I yeah I went in with moderate expectations, and I think this is actually a very good version of something that's comfortingly familiar. So yeah that's uh,
1: see, I, that's that's what i was going for and i said uh, i thought it might appeal to your nostalgia is is the comfort the familiarity of it it's,
0: yeah for sure but do you know what though I, I i really do if like they could just if the next game they made just didn't look or sound or feel as much like a bethesda rpg in those very basic obvious ways that it does that might actually be a good thing just to like to reset your brain a bit so you're not going into it with the Bethesda of it all as your prism for experiencing the entire right, game. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's, that really is a factor here. If yeah. like the pres if presentationally it was completely different, if NPCs didn't behave the same way. Now yeah. you could argue that Bethesda, the way they make games, the reason that this game can have such amazing scale is because they have all those fundamentals in place and they don't need to build new things and they can just layer new things on top of what they already have. So I kind of get that, but also I think that it might critically reset how they're perceived as well if people were not just like there's the bethesda npc doing their bethesda npc thing you know what i mean like and i'm having a conversation with a blank space on the screen again and you know like just i'm doing the slightly odd kind of like um persuade yeah. game. like just if they'd have like if they change that change the fundamentals of that bit it might not be the worst thing for it's elder scrolls
1: it's just not going to be that though you know, you know, it's going to be Elder Scrolls. So it's already has the comfort and the familiarity of that, plus the comfort and familiarity of their engine. I could see it being like just this, except sometimes there's a person with a cat's face.
0: (laughs) Well, this does also, um, this does also suggest like they could, you know based on like the locations they take you to here obviously an Elder Scrolls game will be one continuous space so they could really do some amazing things with that space this game definitely like yeah to, to you know to make you think about again games that are eight years away um it does definitely create that uh impression of like what could that look like in your head and it'll probably be really impressive but yeah, it's just, just like people's first touch point with this kind of game, for many people, was Oblivion. It was almost two decades ago. And at that point, they didn't have any of this baggage and it all felt fresh and exciting. And I think that this game is fresh and exciting in many ways. But I think next time, if they do just want to reset expectations a bit, presentationally, it might just be worth doing something a bit different. I don't think they will, like you say. I think like they, they have what they have and it works obviously incredibly well. But I just personally wish it it could just change it up slightly more in the very the meat and potatoes of it you know so mm. yeah
1: okay any further thoughts matthew or should we wrap it up there no uh, uh, that feels good <laughs> that's good uh, okay. yeah. of Underpowered <laughs> <NDT's episode>.
0: that's <laughs> my fault really i should have sensed that like things were winding up
1: i should really say something spectacularly interesting oh here's a thing for you uh, another xbox leak rumored uh oblivion redo remaster remake yeah one for fallout 3 as well which I thought is that was interesting. Uh, does that does that speak to you Uh, Sort of like, uh, I suppose it can't hurt.
0: You know what I mean? (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about it. Really, like, again, I don't know how much they'll really
1: change of it.
0: I guess they would have to just overhaul the visuals.
1: Uh, I'm not sure if you can remaster Fallout Three better than whatever 4K magic the Xbox back Compact team did.
0: Yeah, that's true, because it, it did look pretty nice after that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, yeah, I'd be curious to see the results. It'll be on Game Pass, won't it? I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll just be there, so... <laughs> yeah, May yeah, as well. Oh, there it is. There's Lies of P. I guess I'll play that, you know, so... Uh, you won't play Lies of P. Well, people say it's a bit like Sekiro, so there's a very vague chance I might play it. But this year, you know, I don't knowing it won't get near the top 10, I've really just got to get on and finish Final Fantasy XVI instead, you know, so, uh, yeah. Um, on it goes, Matthew. So, as Matthew sort of alluded to, we have a, we have a quite an exciting episode coming up next week. It's Things You Only Understand If You Make Games with uh, Jamie Smith, who is a principal designer at uh, People Can Fly. So, a listener to the podcast kind of knows what we're about and has made so many notes in his document for the episode that me and Matthew are a little bit intimidated going into the recording. But yeah. also, we're going to talk about things we've never talked about on this podcast before from someone who's a genuine authority who's worked on everything from driver san francisco to call of duty vanguard and like tons of other games in between the division there's gonna be lots to talk about so i'm excited about that one matthew you, you were you, that episode plan when you saw all the notes you must have got pretty excited about it
1: yeah oh absolutely like it's yeah it's, it's really thorough and i was like this that's gonna be a fun ride and also like good to puncture you know idiots like me who think they know what's going on
0: so. yeah and jamie just pitched it to us as well so i don't know how many game dev sort of like listeners we have i have no idea really but you know if you ever did want to sort of like suggest an episode idea to us and you have like an angle or some experience you think might be relevant to our listeners then backpage games gmail.com if you want to send along um sort of any kind of ideas but obviously no pressure it's just if you have something you think might be good um we'll, we'll definitely hear you out for sure so yeah looking forward to that one matthew and uh there is um we have released this month already our excel episode which is two giant men solve an escape room in the best gaming prisons uh an episode that went down incredibly well um despite me being really nervous it's going to be total dog shit going into it and that was good matthew and you've got me to read the book audition for the xxl episode this month is that right
1: yeah have you read it yet
0: no i've got like eight days or something so i better get on that um (laughs) yeah yeah but it should be uh it should be good not very long and uh, matthew's going to talk about some uh, asian crime fiction should be a good listen all right then that's the podcast done Matthew
1: Where can people find you On social media In space <laughs> uh, Oh god That was weak um, <laughs> I laugh. At, I laugh politely Yeah <laughs> uh, I'm going to edit that out <laughs> No don't uh, you got to keep it now oh. Yeah uh, At <laughs> Fucking space That's the level, That's how I'm just tired No you've got to keep that In the pod You have to keep that In the pod now <laughs> Okay Twitter <laughs> People don't know How fucking dumb I am uh, <laughs> uh twitter at mr basil underscore if twitter still exists
0: yeah i'm samuel w roberts on uh, twitter and also um on blue sky as well um there is samuel w roberts on blue sky but also back pod on twitter but also back pod on blue sky you can catch us on both um you can't upload video clips to blue sky which is really annoying but i will post otherwise other bits and pieces that come in there so you can have updates to the podcast and keep in touch with us matthew let's get out of here let's do it see you later bye In space! (laughs)